Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Matthew chapters 13 and 14. Rabbit Trails Today is so action-packed yet again. Y'all, I'm about exhausted just reading about all that Messiah did in these few chapters that we've covered. I feel like I need to sleep in just to recover from reading it. Can you imagine what it was like following him around and seeing this? I imagine the Pharisees were the most exhausted of all because everything they saw that proved he was the Messiah required greater and greater still effort to twist it around in their mind in order to come up with a way to prove that he wasn't. Life tip. The sooner we submit to the Father, the better off we are. His ways will always be greater than our own. Messiah begins with several parables today, and he clearly explains why he is speaking in parables. In Matthew 13, verses 13 through 15, we read, This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Now, that last part was a direct quotation from Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 10. Did you catch that? The people have willfully closed their eyes and ears because they do not want to hear or see the truth. They are living comfortable with their own lives and don't want their boat rocked. They don't want their situation changed. They have no desire to follow after him. Messiah knew this. He recognized that this was the behavior of most of the people he would encounter. And so he spoke in parables so that those who were seeking would know, but those who were not would remain in their ignorance unless they willfully opened their eyes to see the truth. But back to this part, seeing they do not see. How many of us grew up in the church and heard preaching from the pulpit all our lives but are just now seeing things that have been there all along for the first time. Spiritually, we all begin on milk, and most never move past that stage. Milk is comfortable. It's easy to digest. It requires no cutting, preparing, or chewing on our part. In walks Messiah with a big platter of steak, and he looks around and knows that most cannot partake of it. Because they prefer milk. Bonus assignment. Read the parable of the sower and the seed again, if you can, and identify at least two different soils that you have been at different stages in your life. Weeds or wheat. The parable of the weeds was a gut punch for me. 
Many people are under mercy now and living in the field among the wheat that Messiah plans on harvesting, thinking they will be part of the harvest, but they have not actually gained their spot there. Time for a reread of Matthew 7, verse 23, when you get time. We are all planted seeds in the Father's field. As we mature, we must choose to be weeds or wheat. Matthew 13, 35 is a quote from Psalm 78, 2. I can't even begin to tell you what all we are reading that is quoted from the Old Testament, because at least 66% of the New Testament is just quotes from the Old Testament. Just remember that the text Messiah and all the apostles were teaching from, reading aloud, and studying were what we consider the Old Testament today. The New Testament did not exist at this time. Y'all, you know it kills me to reference the foundational scriptures as old because that is so dismissive. But sometimes I need a shorthand, and y'all know what that means. Notice at the end of all these parables, Messiah says, He who has ears, let him hear. He who is willing to hear, who can accept the truth, who is seeking a life in Yahweh rather than a life in the world, hear. To those who won't hear the truth, the truth is not given. Pearls before swine. That's a reference to Matthew 7, 6. Messiah did not come to convert the world. He came for his lost sheep to rescue those who would sincerely follow him away from the snare they had wandered into of traditions of man. These traditions pulled them further away from the Father, even though they had been taught that they were bringing them closer. Moving on. In Matthew 13, verses 44 through 46, we read, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Two things jumped out at me from these particular parables. People were willing to instantly give up all they had in exchange for the kingdom of heaven. You know, often we say that we will sacrifice anything in order to follow the Father. But when faced with an opportunity to make even a small sacrifice of our time or to even alter a tiny detail in our lives that stands between us and obedience, our words prove hollow. This happens when Yahweh shows us in His Word that we are to follow a commandment, and our response is, Oh, but He must not mean it that way. Or, That's for the Jews. That doesn't apply to me. Or, Well, the church doesn't do that, so it must not be in effect anymore. Or, We see that something in our life dishonors Him, and the Word of Yahweh gives us examples where we are to leave that behind, and we respond with, Oh, but not that. He must mean that others are to give things up, but I'm sure the way I do this is fine with him. At the end of the day, believers often say we would be willing to die for Messiah, but then we balk at the thought of even being inconvenienced for him. Think about that. Matthew 13:41 Read this verse with the knowledge that the Greek word used for lawbreakers is anomian. Remember, 
We talked about nomians versus anomians the other day, and I have a link to that post here. Moving on to Matthew thirteen fifty two, we read, And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house, who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. Messiah tells this in conclusion to his prophets answering that they understood his teachings. What is he saying here? When a homeowner finds a new treasure, they don't bring it home and throw away all of their old treasures. Instead, they put it on display or set it in a special place alongside their old treasures. These new treasures are the fulfillment of Messiah's teachings alongside the teachings of Yahweh. Matthew 13:53-58 is a reminder that we will suffer deep and painful rejection by those whom we are closest to when we follow Messiah. Notice that he says a prophet is without honor in his hometown and also his own household. Messiah experienced rejection not only in the town he grew up in, but also from his own family. Most of my life, I never really understood this. It wasn't until Ricky and I started reading the Bible for ourselves and began ordering our lives in line with Yahweh's word that I experienced this just as Messiah predicted. You've heard of the right hand of fellowship? This is what is referred to as the left foot of fellowship. Just remember, people love their tradition, sometimes more than their family and even Yahweh. Sometimes, all you have to do in order to offend someone is to not keep those same traditions in your life. Just doing things differently will offend some to the point that it will become an irreparable breach in their eyes and nothing you can do will repair it, apart from turning from Yahweh's instructions. Take a deep breath, and know this. If there's ever a time that all you have is Him, that is enough. Now to some... This won't make any sense, but it may in the future, so store it up in your heart. To those who immediately related, I want to reply, yes, you're not alone. I know. I get it. And Messiah gets it too. Okay, moving on to... Matthew 14 notes. In Matthew 14, verses 1 through 2, we read, At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. Things here are given a little out of order. Even though we've not been told the details of John the Baptist's death, When Herod hears about the fame of Jesus, John has already been killed. What we get in verses 3 through 12 is a flashback of sorts, explaining the details of how he was killed. Some commentaries have mentioned that the fact that Herod immediately equates the actions of our Messiah as somehow being John the Baptist returned is possibly a sign of terror-stricken conscience. Given the circumstances surrounding John's death, that is certainly plausible. We don't get much detail here, but it appears Yeshua mourned John's death by withdrawing to a desolate place in a boat. 
In Matthew 14, verses 14 through 21, I want to make a note with regards to feeding the 5,000. Man did not know how to feed them, but Messiah knew how to feed them to the point that they were satisfied and then some. Likewise, the world will never be able to make us whole or satisfy our hunger. Only the word of Yahweh can do that. Take this to a deeper level by realizing that Messiah is the word made flesh. John 1 verse 1. Random note. Matthew 14, 19 shows Messiah praying with his eyes open. In most of Christianity, we have a tradition, which does not dishonor Yahweh, of praying with our eyes closed. Messiah prays with his eyes open in this passage, and in Mark 6, 41, Mark 7, 34, Luke 9, 16, Luke eleven forty one, and John 17, 1. This is just for those of y'all who have ever been admonished to close your eyes when you were caught with them open. You were just being more like Messiah. In Matthew 14, verses 34 through 36, we read, And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Now, the fringe being spoken of here, again, is Messiah's zitzit, which was first mentioned in Numbers 15.38 and Deuteronomy 22.12. We also read about it in Matthew 9. This is deeply moving for me to imagine. As I've mentioned before, this is what Ricky dubbed the original What Would Jesus Do bracelet. Instead of asking ourselves what he would do, we can read the word and see what he actually did, and then choose whether or not to follow his example. There's a lot of tradition surrounding these, so I encourage you to check out what Yahweh says and let his word have authority over everyone else's. Personal note that you may or may not be interested in. Ricky and I wear zitzit every day now. Yahweh gave them to us for a purpose, and they have proven to be very helpful in that purpose, just as he said they would. How can I serve my king is a question I ask each day. And wearing zitzit is part of helping us do just that. If you want to see our zitzit, let me know. I have a video on how to make them too. No pressure, just putting it out there for those interested. Y'all, we get to serve the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Embolden yourselves for service to the great and mighty King. Hallelujah! Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.